0: Summer has come and passed The innocent can never last
1: Wake me up when September ends All
0: right, here we go. RD in the WCF, where the FCC has become the CDC, and after four GPs, the stars have VGK on the ropes and are now but five W's from being crowned S-C-C in old Y-E-G. WTF, man, huh? Now, That's exactly that, what has
1: going through my head. <laughs>
0: that is an acronymial opening that you, Mike, know, and you, Jeff Totes, know. Other yep. podcasts wish they had the talent the vision, and the guts to pull it off.
1: The sad thing is I understood every single list.
0: You think you're the only one that did, though? <laughs> no, I think everybody does. Dramatic. Okay, let's talk about destiny. I want a compilation video made of all the goals scored that had no business being goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs <laughs> from Joe Pavelski's last night, the tying goal on Leonard, all the way back to Heyeskinen's against Talbot and all those in between. The, 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 I believe in you make your breaks. I, I truly do. I, I believe in that, in that mantra or, whatever it is. Uh, but you can't deny that stuff is happening, that is once again aligning for the
1: stars. Right. Yeah. Pete DeBoer has been really snarky the last couple of days. Yes, he has. And last night he goes, yeah, that that, uh, goal by Pavelski. We're not getting any of those. (laughs) It cracked me up. Uh, Do you believe in destiny? I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I think there are hockey gods up there, and and maybe they do reward people who who have been patient and – who work hard and you know? Some of it, these are inexplicable. The one I, Alexander Radulov's office collarbone is my yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah, well, I think if if you put
0: together and maybe we can get young Mister Toast to do this for us, since that is his business. That's uh, my department. If, if you took if you took all of the greasy goals that the stars have surrendered and you juxtapose them with all the greasy goals that the Stars have scored,
1: man, that would be a chasm
0: difference between the two, would it not?
1: Yeah, and you go back the other way, and like, uh, what was the one that kind of went under Hudobin, but then hit off the off his stick of a handle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, some of the other ones that just barely didn't get over the line, and... I mean, yeah. it's, you're right. I mean, fortune yeah. is favoring. Yes, the victory green.
0: Yes, the hockey gods are are marionetting this thing, along with all the other things. I'm not trying to steal any of the uh, thunder away from what the stars have accomplished and and how they've gone about doing it. But you cannot uh, just ignore the fact that it's goal, the cheesy goal uh, factory continues on into game four of the Western Conference final. Uh, however, they they have run into something that they, they had a, a little bit of in the early going with Stephen Johns leaving the lineup, and, and Ben Bishop's been dealing with this since before the pause. Uh, but in, the injury bug is, is creeping back in again. Is this cause for a little mini rut row, or... Uh, is it just, hey, everybody's everybody's hurt right now, just uh, those that are injured can't play, and the Stars have a few more of them right now?
1: I'll give you my most homerish uh opinion. That's I what we're here think, for. <laughs> I actually think they have really good depth. Um, you know, the fact that Kiviranta came in and has played well, I think Joel Hanley's played well. Um, I think if they had to pull in uh, Justin Dowling, he'd play well. Um, I do think they have players who are prepared for this situation. Uh, I think the black aces are kind of feeding energy and calm to each other to, to some extent. And I, I think they'll be okay. I, again, that's a homerish view and, and clearly, you know, bringing in one of the black aces isn't the best uh, idea when, if you're losing Fox on hints. Um, but, you know, Cagliano went back in, he was great. I thought he was well-prepared. He had the assist on the, uh, Great goal by Joel Pavelski. <laughs> 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 and, and, but, I mean, they they do. Like I said, Joel Hanley stepped in. Andre Sekera, I was really worried, uh, especially the first couple of games, that this guy is just not going to be able to carry the mail. And then when, you know, Stephen Johns went out, even more so. Uh, but but those what that third pair has is, is played really well. Um, and if they had to pull in another guy, I'm sure he'd be fine too. Fadoon's healthy again. So, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's way too homer but I, I think they have good depth.
0: Yeah, w- with Andre, I mean, he set up the biggest goal of these playoffs, for one, in, in overtime. But I think the shift, it's weird how things happen, isn't it? The injury to Fadoon, and that forces uh, Andre to go to the right side instead of playing the left, and he, he's looked better. He, he, he's looked actually more comfortable uh, playing on that side than than on his, his strong side because Hanley's a lefty and they want to give him every opportunity uh, to succeed. Now, w- with all that said, and I, I agree with everything that you did uh, state there, goaltending, like really good goaltending can prop up a lot of things. <laughs> yes. It can, it can mask injuries and it can mop up mistakes and all those things. And Anton Hedovin right now is in a dreamy goalie zone, and the zone, which I was rarely in as a player, <laughs> is when the conscious and the subconscious bind together. That that is what the zone truly is, and you could say right now that another word for the zone is dobethesia. That's what I believe the stars are experiencing with Anton back there uh he he he's been delightful to watch obviously he's confident uh, he he's he's playing so well right now that he's in the minds of the there's no question he's in the minds of the Golden Knights and I mean he's in there making sandwiches they can't figure out how to beat him uh, he he's been terrific at little things that that a former netminder would pick up on, maybe more so than others. But the two major things for me are his rebound control and his his unflappability. Uh, it doesn't really seem to matter what goes on. He just gives it a wink and a shrug and and moves forward. And it is dip- – I mean, you got to be perfect right now in order to beat him.
1: Yeah. Is it, that Freud or Young who came up with Dobie is That, what that was Razor. Uh, Ra one, of the, oh,
0: one, one of the great philosophers, one of the great philosophers, real uh, one man think tank razor.
1: Uh, I'll go to the opposite side of your theory there, in that I've always noticed that a good goalie gives his teammates confidence as well. So if John Klingberg makes a mistake and it doesn't end up in his net, Don Klingberg forgets about that mistake and then goes and plays with confidence. Did I not and, just say that in the last segment of this podcast? <laughs> no, I think you were talking about the – he was getting into the head of the other – No, no, prior mistakes. to that, when you were talking uh, about death. Yeah, yeah. I get, were you not listening? I did. But I, my oh. point being is is that it works both ways. Yes. But you already pointed that out.
0: No, no. Continue on. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs>
1: I really uh, it's funny. Perry and Pavelski both said it last night, that he gives them confidence. And, you know, he at the end of the game, they were the Dallas Stars are the better team. And it took them a long time to get there, but uh, Anton Hudobin gave them that opportunity to get to the point where, hey, we believe in ourselves, we believe we're as good as that team or even better than that team, and, and yeah. you know, we can play our best hockey.
0: Yeah, if, if teams play different in front of, questionable goaltending than they do with just a leap on a run net minding like this. Yep. Uh, it's just freer and, and belief is deeper <clears throat> and uh, you don't have to overanalyze anything. <laughs> you don't there's nothing really to overanalyze when the goaltending is th- this much of a mop. And uh, it's, it's been a blast to see. I mean, it really shouldn't surprise People that much, though. I mean, a lot of people are just like, hey, this is coming out of nowhere. He led the league in save percentage. And, you know, he played a lot of the games. Now, I know he'd, he'd never started in the playoffs before, but that's not some kind of a, a new thing where a goaltender who's never played in the Stanley Cup playoffs just goes off for two months. So, uh, hopefully he can, you know, keep this thing rocking along, uh, the way he has. And, backstop him to another victory in this series and on into the Stanley cup final. The other impactful guy, uh, for me is, is one Jamie Ben, uh, who, uh, it's a, there's a wonderful word, uh, about revival and Renaissance that, that he is experiencing or producing right now. Resorgimento, uh, the 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 captains in past their will and their performance have have really come through for this franchise. Darian Hatcher way back, lots of support around him. Brendan Morrow, you know he wasn't getting what uh, he truly desired in his early captaincy, and finally in '08 he basically just said, "Okay, here's my back, get on it." And uh, you know he he was the reason why they got to a western conference final and then they just ran into a much better team in the detroit red wings and jamie's got that look about him now to me
1: definitely and and, you know we always talk about this about the the good players raising to the level of the competition and and being better in that situation and you know i don't want to speak for jamie but you know maybe a uh, Tuesday night in New Jersey isn't the most motivational thing in the world, but sometimes you don't get the best out of him. But when you put him in this situation and and ask him to be, you know, and the other team's targeting him too, I think. So then then that you know brings his competitive level up, and yeah. you know it just it's amazing. It, Rick said last night, "This is a guy we had to coach against when we were in Tampa Bay," um, and and I think that's a really strong statement that. You know the regular seasons haven't been great the uh, last couple of years, but uh, uh, he was great in the playoffs last year, and he's been fantastic in the playoffs this year.
0: Yeah, I always go back, even when Jamie was going through, uh, you know, whatever he was going through, and couldn't fully capture what he had been known for, and and there were struggles with the puck, and you know, it was just it was it was odd to watch at times. But I would always go back to uh, the guy that he played on the Canadian Olympic team with, Sidney Crosby. They asked him way back. I can't remember what year it was, but it was—it had to have been eight or nine years ago. And they asked him who if, – if, if he was going to pick a player in the league, this is like 800 players. If you were going to pick a player to start a team with, who would you choose? And he said Jamie Benn. And, I mean, you watch him – when he goes off, when, when he truly does crank up beast mode and can take over a game and does so many different things as a power forward. And you're like, yeah, I, I can see why you'd choose him.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting too. I think you said on a, one of the radio shows, I listened to you on many, many days. Uh, oh, you're a smarter are, man. You're a smarter uh, man uh, this morning for it. <laughs> uh, his hands are coming back for whatever reason. They they weren't keeping up with his feet or his brain, uh, and he was fumbling pucks early on in the process. But now it's just really confident. And I always loved when he was a penalty killer because he would puck jack somebody and then go in shorthanded. And, you know, he's not doing that, but you can see a little bit of that type of play in him in that, you know, he sees something, he goes hard to the place where he thinks the puck is going to be, and then he comes out with it because uh, he's done that before and has not come out with it, and then it's a bad play. But when he comes out with it, it's a really impressive play. And it's, it's again, one of the things Rick talks about is, you know, hey, you're looking at the goals and you're looking at the points and everything like that. Well, he does a hundred other things that, that we're not talking about. Yeah. And last night, bomb. he had to he had to do offs right? Because so, Henson Foxa, uh, and he always does them anyway, but, I mean, he goes – Eight for twelve in the face-off circle, uh, you know, against a team that just roasted him a couple of games earlier. That was pretty big.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I wish he killed penalties again. I did too. I I think it would help him. I sometimes and look, he he led the team in power play goals with eight in the regular season. But sometimes when you when you put individuals on one side of special teams, they they trend in that direction. So. You know, if you're a, a blue collar, uh, meat and potatoes power forward and you're only getting power play time, maybe you start thinking of yourself differently as more of a skill player and it affects other parts of your game rather than just a straightforward blue collar. And he was, he was such a threat to, to score shorthanded, uh, along with he can win face offs on that left, on that left face off dot, especially. Um, you know, it just
1: whatever. Just whatever. Well, and I do think at, at times like this we need to reexamine the philosophy that he needs his minutes cut um, because I think they, even now, I think he's still only getting, what, 17, 16 yeah. in the game. Um, and, again, yeah, a lot of it mean, because part it of that, shorthanded.
0: Part of that, too, is the they, they have onboarded so many guys that are diligent penalty killers and, and checking forwards that it makes it relatively easy, I think, to do what they've done. Yeah. You know, the options. Uh, Otherwise, where do you find the ice time for them? I mean, if you had Jamie on the power play and killing penalties and playing a regular shift, uh, I don't know that he can play Nate McKinnon 24 minutes a a game anymore.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think that'd be a bit.
0: No, I get it. Uh, Speaking of Bones, I want to win a cup before I'm done. I remember him saying that. He said it uh, consistently uh since he came here, thought he had a chance uh here with the Stars as an associate or assistant uh to do it. Now he's he's getting an ultimate chance to do it as an interim head coach. Uh, do, do you think I, there was a lot made out of what Jim Nill said on uh Sportsnet in Canada? when he did an interview with Scott Oak last night about uh, the future of, of Rick bonus as the head coach of the stars. Do do you think he would continue if he did win the cup this year? I don't know. I don't either.
1: I I was always of the mind that he didn't want to do this. And then, I mean, just from a selfish standpoint, as an organization, do you really want to hire a guy who might retire in two years or whatever? You know, I don't know how long he can go or wants to go. Yeah. So would you really want to hire a guy, you know, and, and is he on a one-year contract just in case he changes his mind? Is he committed to three or four years? So I was always of the mind that he was going to come back as the assistant coach and they were going to find a new head coach who would enjoy having Rick Bonus as an assistant right. coach. Right. But now I don't know. I, mean, I don't what, either. What Jim said last night seems to indicate that if, if Rick Bonus wants his job, yeah. it's his job. And that's really interesting. That to me is a big change in the wind.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, how else would you approach it though? Right now, I mean, you're you're one game away from the Stanley Cup final, and uh, you, I think it's the, probably the right way to approach it. Yes, yeah. don't, you, don't you think? I mean how would you make a decision the other way? You pretty much have to just say to him, you get so much respect between the two men that, Hey, if you want to continue on, you can continue on. If you don't, then we'll figure it out and go yeah. uh, uh, some different way. But it seems like the onus is on bones and, well, and you're Weird the hockey,
1: you know, in the bubble, but man, he's pushed the right buttons. Uh, yeah. You know yeah. I mean? All, yeah. all the way from taking whatever it was four months and having his assistant coaches, Tearing apart every other team to see what you know succeeds, to the fact that you know he's he's getting good performances out of people like Alexander Radulov, who isn't the easiest guy to coach, you know, or he's he's been patient with Joe Pavelski and and helped make him a part of the group, and maybe that's just all Joe Pavelski stepping up, or maybe it's just all Jamie Benn stepping up, but people are playing some of their best hockey while Rick Bonus is the head coach, and you know that reflects very positively on him. And and to think
0: that he was seriously debating not even going. <laughs> I know. So, yeah.
1: Well, those three days when he was wearing the mask yeah. uh, in training camp, you're just like, whoa, what's going on here?
0: So. Uh, this is very Larry Robinson 2000, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. What did they do with that one? <laughs> did he, Larry just won the cup and then uh, walked off into the sunset? Well, no, but Robbie Vitoric, the –
0: the sweater with a whistle was behind the bench and it wasn't working. And what what was it with like nine games to go? They made the coaching change. Yep. Lou Lamorello just got named GM of the year uh, in 2020, way back in 2000, made that gutsy decision and they put Larry back there who his demeanor is very similar to bones from what I understand. And,
1: Unfortunately, and it's from the players and yeah. the organization, I mean everybody respects Larry Robinson. and yeah. everybody respects Rick Bones.
0: Yeah, talented, talented group they had back then. But uh, it was awful that it was at the uh, demise of the Dallas Stars that they went on to win that cup in 2000. But can you imagine back-to-back years here where the cup-winning coach would be an
1: interim? <laughs> Well, and, I mean, if you want Drake to think about it, he was interim yeah. last
0: year, and and if if the stars were to go on and, and win the cup this year, it'd be back to back years
1: with a sub in behind the bench winning the cup. Different world. Yeah. Well, and Bennington came in out of nowhere mid season there, and Hudobin's coming in not out of nowhere, but again, this is not the way you you would have drawn it up on paper. No.
0: Uh, and with this, the G Knights sphincters are tightening they are puckered you got to think right
1: well and again you know like I said I love Pete and I think he's funny uh, but uh, even he's getting a little bit you know like you can just see that they're frustrated they don't have the answers yeah. or at least you know the the answers are not coming to them easily which um, is
0: something isn't it because DeBoer is known for his patience his calm Uh, he sets out a game plan and he he believes in it and they're going to stick with it. He almost arrogantly stated when he got hired that he knows the buttons to push come playoffs. And uh, he must be like a hyperactive nine-year-old at Dave and Buster's right now, pushing buttons, trying to figure out how to get that offense out of neutral uh, they were the hottest team at the pause. And this yes. is what I'm starting to wonder. Did they peak too early? Uh, they went 11 and 2 before COVID shut down the regular season. And then they opened 6 and 0 oh in the bubble. And now they've, starting in the, in the Vancouver series, have become frustrated in their, uh, capabilities of, scoring uh, even just a few goals. Uh, I don't think that they've ever really been as exotic an offense as some people want to give them credit for. They get a lot of shots, but they don't score a ton of goals. I have major, major theories on that too. We may get it in, get into it here. Uh, But do you think they peak maybe too early? Do you think that's part of this?
1: Um, I don't know. They're still playing really good hockey and they're still dominating possession and doing a lot of great things. Um, I, I don't watch them every game, but now that you're seeing them in the series and now that you're talking to people, they appear to have a lot of athletic arrogance. <laughs> and apparently they've carried that for the last two or three years. Their players really feel they're very good. Yeah. And that's a great thing. They're a loud team. They're a cocky team. Those are good things. Um, but loud teams and cocky teams get frustrated a little more easily, I think. And so wow, when the frustra- listen to
0: this statement from Mike Icahn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when the frustration comes for guys like that, uh-huh. You know, I do think it, it, it really can hit deep. I mean, look at Tyler whenever, you know, it comes to him. Uh, I don't think he's cocky, but I do. Are think you saying Tyler's arrogant. arrogant and cocky? I think, he's, I think he has athletic arrogance. I think he has to to be that kind of guy. Of course. Uh, and so when he doesn't score for eight or ten games, it really gets into his head. And I think the, the Golden Knights have a few of those guys. And, you know, I think it's getting into their heads right now.
0: Yeah, so it's definitely in between the the years in the gray matter. The the thing though that that I believe in and I'm going to back it up with actual digits and facts here, Mike, not just opinion like your last segment.
1: You are I, one of the great philosophers, so.
0: Yes, I am. Defense wins mostly. A razor compendium. Here you go. Are you ready for this? I am. Teams that finish top six in goals against average have won nine of the past twelve Stanley Cups. The outliers are the twenty eighteen Caps, who were sixteenth, but but here's the caveat: they were number one the year prior. Yeah. And the Penguins are the other club. There's only two teams in those three years. The Penguins in twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen but twenty seventeen was back to back, so they they were dealing with some of that, and the year prior they were they were sixth, so you fast forward to twenty twenty uh hub bubble, and the stars come in with the second best goals against average in the regular season Tampa seventh islanders ninth, but they were first last year, and the Vegas Golden Knights finished thirteenth. So you can pretty much just start carving up the Stanley Cup and planning the parade route because the Stars are the only
1: team in the top six. Bam! Boom! Uh, I actually had to go dig into all those numbers uh, before the playoffs started, and mine was on the opposite thing that has a team who uh, finished 26 in scoring everyone, and the Kings have. Uh, back in the day, I think they were like 27th or 28th but they were number 1 in goals against and I do think your theory holds a lot of water. I think great defensive teams typically find a way to get to the final four, or the final two, or the final one.
0: Holds a lot of water. It it's a it's a 30,000 gallon swimming pool of of information and fact. That's a that that's a fact pool right there. I also have this opinion the one venue effect on the 2020 Stanley cup and this series in particular, I feel that the bubble in Edmonton is playing into the stars, perpetuation of their positive play. Uh, that's conference final caliber alliteration right there too. I don't Did you pick up on that?
1: I did. A powerful, what is it? Powerful post. Perpetuation
0: said, of positive play. They are playing into the stars, perpetuation of positive play, bamzo. And it is stringing or stitching together the night scoring misery because instead of, okay, we sucked in their arena or we didn't have it going on here or whatever it is, and then you fly from Vegas to Dallas or from Dallas to Vegas and it's a completely different environment, they just keep traipsing back to the exact same arena, the exact same aesthetics inside there. And I I believe mentally it's helping the stars and hurting the Golden Knights. Great theory.
1: It is. That's exactly what it is,
0: Mike. It's a theory, (laughs) but it's also great.
1: The other part of that is you go back to the room with the same people and talk about Either all the good things you're doing or all the bad things that are going on and uh it really is you don't get to go play with your kids or your dog or whatever you're gonna do when you're you know uh when you have home life uh you just go and think about whatever happened in the last game and and I do believe you're right, I think it does perpetuate
0: well, I'm glad you concur
2: <laughs> what do you think Toti? you're you're young and you're <laughs> actually there. I concur as well today's actually day fifty in the bubble for us.
0: Wow, a nice round number. It's a long yeah. Thing. And you're feeling rather 100%.
2: effervescent
0: and positive about things? 100%. And every day you go back thinking that good things are going to happen, right?
2: Exactly. The yeah. Aesthetic, I love it.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's that's one of my theories. Here's another one, Mike. The Golden Knights shooting choices are an absolute dream for goaltenders.
1: People well, have said they need to lift the puck more. That they're shooting on the ice, or shooting into the areas where Anton Hudobin is. Y- yes, yes. Some of some of that is
0: just pure panic instead of poise. They're, they're Peter Panic, yeah. instead of uh, Paul Poise. Uh, they, they look to shoot. They hurry their shots. They funnel the puck. They seldom drive to the net, and because of that. And because of the trust in defensive zone coverage uh, that Anton obviously has in his teammates, Hudobin is able to pretty much just hone in on one shooter, one guy, and th- that's the, the the North game as it's known, where you just there's not a lot of east west. It's just going straight to the other team's net, and that's the way the Golden Knights like to play. They're, they're a chip and support and speed and we're going to you know, basically ram our game down your throat. And at times, it's the greatest thing as a goaltender because instead of challenging your lateral mobility and whenever that comes into play and it moves east to west, you, you got to remember, uh, you, you have, as a goaltender lose the puck five or six times on its way across because it's going through bodies and past people then you pick it up again. When it just comes straight at you and it's coming in lanes, then for the most part, you just set your angle or get to a spot and you know it's coming at you and do your job. And uh, I I believe, and again, there have been times where that theory has been uh, absolutely destroyed by stuff that's gone on in the games and Anton's just played out of his mind uh, here and there. But for the most part, when you look at this the volume of shots and they are a volume shooting team that it helps the rhythm of the opposing goaltender ask Thatcher Demko and ask Anton Hedoben I bet you they would concur
1: yeah i think you're right i mean we've we've heard that from goalies all the time they like to have some action like that and if it's action that they can see and track that makes it all the much better
0: I like this. You're you're like a a checklist for me today. I come up with theories,
1: and then I I
0: draw a little box, and you grab your sharpie and you just little check mark in there.
1: Well, how can I disagree with it? You
0: should. That's what this is all about. Have you not watched what goes on on every sports television show from nine a.m. until three o'clock in the afternoon? They embrace debate. That's what they embrace debate.
1: I I don't like those shows at
0: all. That can't that can not end quick enough for me. Uh no, I'm just laying stuff out here. My
1: I do have one debate for you.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's what I was hoping that you would come back around well, on.
1: Two 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 I you know, I always I always end at the uh, end with the best stuff. We're not uh, ending yet. I know We're I'm close though. We're close. What, what is <laughs> what is your opinion of the two Alex Tuck hits and I I include three cuz I think he just basically took Maro Haskinen out two and and none of them got called. The the funny one last night, well not funny, but Tuck is, got his hands up, like okay, you caught me. I'm going to the box. Like he was waiting for the penalty call. On which one? T- on Corey Perry. When he took out Corey Perry, and like the the body language that I saw was, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know Like I, 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 I think that was
0: just an accidental. Where's he supposed to go? Like Corey was looking in the corner at the puck, and Tuck's coming around in behind the net. And he doesn't lift up or do anything. He just runs into him. Yeah. And, and uh, there was no way that Perry could brace for it. I didn't think he was coming back. That looked nasty. No. It was nasty. And, and then I was surprised he didn't go to the room right away. <laughs> and then finally, well, it's, uh, fu- it's they, he the said, bench.
1: Yeah, he said that they, 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 he got the tap on the shoulder from uh, the concussion protocol yeah. people. So, but yeah, the, I agree with you, but accidental also gets called accidental high sticks get called there, there's been know. a
0: look, mike there's been a ton of contact away from the puck in this series and for the most part the stripes have let them have at it it's yeah. just, you should understand four games into a series how and and 20 games into a playoff what is and what isn't going to be allowed and they're allowing all kinds of of paint traded miles away from where the puck is They, they just are. Yeah. Uh, that the one last night, it was, I I think it was mostly accidental. I I think it was just, it just happened just before that, uh, Jamie Ben ran into Perry, (laughs) you know, in front of the net. Like it was just one of those, one of those shifts. The one on Tyler was, was, uh, I had a problem with that one, but, there, there's there's a, a bit of a deviant in, in Tuck, who's been awful in this series, yeah. by the way. He he was, I thought, fantastic in the Vancouver series. He's been nothing short of terrible in, in this series. He made some awful plays with the puck last night, and he, he hasn't provided anything of any sort of offensively. They've moved him all over. He's Play, played on three different lines, shifted from left wing to right wing last night. The, the little uh, subtle slew foot on, on Tyler is, is something that guys will probably have a long memory uh, f- with. And uh, the and one. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're trying to win on their side, you understand you better try to kill either him or John Klingberg. and Your chances go. Up. Well,
1: I don't even blame him. I blame the refs who seem to be watching these plays. I mean, even if you didn't see the slew foot on Tyler, he elbowed him in the face right in front of a ref, and I don't get that. But eh, what do you do?
0: Yeah, I mean those get-togethers, there's there's a it's just a festival of penalties that don't get called. Yeah, uh, but it, it's it, it's a dangerous it's kind of a dangerous play with the slew foot H- hits away from the puck that are late. I, I mean you can bellyache all you want. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're not yeah. calling it. Yeah, So I don't have as big a issue with that. What's your other thing?
1: All right. Uh, Jeff Totes is becoming a celebrity, apparently, here in the DFW area. And no. uh, he's featured in an athletic story, which I found to be very nice. Uh, just uh, learning about him and, and uh, how important this trip is to him. So I wanted to ask Jeff, how important is this trip to you? It seems like uh, you called it a chance of a lifetime. Sounds
2: like you got it right there. Following the article. All right, good story. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was really cool. I was, that was awesome that they wanted to put that together and took the time to interview and get some other people's thoughts. That was awesome. That's about as cool as it gets for someone in my position. And obviously, I mean, you're seeing it. Like, this trip gets cooler by the day. So hopefully we have a few more weeks.
1: How important is it for that final product? I know you've been doing the, the little ones and you know pushing them along, but yeah. uh, do you have a lot in the bank for just to look back at this?
2: Uh, yeah, just like really, really um, limited, a really limited outline just on a notes app in my phone. Like it's been, I'm going to have to really sit down once this is over and go back to, Honestly, like training camp in Frisco a few weeks ago and then the round robin. And there's just so like every day there's just tons of clips and little moments uh, to sort through. But, I mean, the storylines kind of present themselves as series by series. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of sorting hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes of footage, which is, which is a process I love.
1: What's the time uh, limit on what you would do at the end? Is it a five-minute thing? Is it a 20-minute thing?
2: I think it would be close to a 23 minute thing um, or, or it would be right now, it's seeming like it would be 23 minutes exactly for a half hour spot on Fox, but all that's TBD seeing how this shakes down, but and it'll be tough to get all this down to like 23 minutes. Sounds like a lot of time, but there's a lot here.
1: Uh, do you want my professional voice helping in doing that? I, I you know, I know there's, other people, I don't know, Razor, somebody like that. But, but I think I would be the guy you'd want in that situation.
2: Yeah, we were actually thinking of doing it like Hard Knocks with the epic voiceover. Uh, and we were going to have you do that, so <laughs> that, w- that would be awesome. We'll, we'll work on scripts soon.
1: I'm sorry, Razor, I had to take that away from you. <laughs>
0: you might <have> lost Razor. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I, I checked out there for a second. It wasn't about me. <laughs> being- <laughs> What, what were you saying? Something about?
1: <laughs> I was taking your uh, voice uh, over for the uh, for the Totes uh, yeah.
0: video. I, My God, a 30 for 30 on the <laughs> videographer. <laughs> I love it. I think it's how,
1: fantastic. How People?
0: I'm kidding. Hey, People uh, Jeff totes. I, I actually had a Totes thing too, the, the Jeff Totes hallway report. We see you looking like an AV nerd in the hallway of a high school. Uh, when the guys are getting ready to come out, all the time. You
2: know, I know uh, you have a camera,
0: you have a mask, okay. you have your you have your hot young male bangy hair, and uh, it's the same thing every period,
2: is it not? No, yeah, and I, that's a shot I get pregame that we send to Twitter. But I do hate that I am always in that shot, and people are like some of the coaches will send me a little screen grab or someone else will video it, and it's I yes, I'm aware of that camera and trying to stay out of it but it is a cool shot that hallway is really narrow and compressed
1: are Are they in the visiting locker room every time
2: right now we're yeah no right now we're actually in the uh, oil kings visitor room Um, Um, Vegas is in the oilers room Tampa Bay is in the oilers visiting room and then Islanders are in the oil kings room we're in oil kings visitor room wow that's like the worst room
1: in the whole building
2: it's, yeah, it's not bad. It's it's small. That's for sure. It's very compact.
0: A lot of petroleum. Maybe you two can call one another and uh, later after the podcast wraps up and continue on with this uh, riveting stuff um, <laughs> on what rooms teams are in. This
1: is I'm what sure, people love, Daryl. I'm sure. I'm
0: sure the listeners understand what petroleum room that teams are in in oil countries. <laughs> uh, uh, you've done great work, totsi It's it's some of the most spectacular stuff uh, outside of my emporium that gets posted on our website so way to go appreciate that Uh, so here let's let's do this and then let's let's wrap do the stars wrap this up in five six or in seven because uh, teams up three to one in the covid cup uh, 2020 bubble Stanley I think I got that in the wrong order (laughs) <laughs> anyway, teams that go up 3-1 to one are 10-0 and 0 up there uh, in Canada. So what's your guess? Monday, Wednesday, or Friday?
1: I'm going Wednesday. I think uh, game six. I think Vegas gives them one big push, and then uh, uh, Dallas comes back. And they always seem to play well after a loss. I don't know why. I mean, they've done pretty good in in uh, after wins, but they've also had that, uh, what was it, game six against Calgary and then game five against Colorado where they just weren't ready to play. I fear Monday might be one of those games. Oh. Huh. Jeff Totes? I'm digging your, Monday. What does your I'm, camera say?
2: I'm <laughs> digging tomorrow. Keep it rolling. Close it in five. See? That's
0: the young buck attitude right there. And maybe yeah, they I have
1: know. that. it would be great. I I, they, they, definitely need, they need the rest right now. I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they looked so tired at the beginning of of last night's game. Like, they had a great big bag of nothing in the first half of that game. Six shots on goal. They were slow. uh, But they hung around. And then the game, as it often does, just flipped on a fluky goal. And then all of a sudden, the Golden Knights looked buried. And they weren't as sure-handed. And it's unbelievable. Hockey's quite a sport. Uh, Anyway. I was going to do this big soliloquy on Charlton Heston's final scene in Planet of the Apes uh, talking about being in the, in the zone and, and destiny. I, I don't even know if I have the energy after all that Jeff totes, 30 for 30 talk and which room they're in. Do you remember that totes? You don't, but Mike, do you? One of my favorite scenes. I'd love that. The, movie. No, well, when I was a kid,
1: it was fantastic.
0: Yes. My favorite by far. When I was a kid, the, the orangutan, is asked by the chimp, what will he find out there? And then there's a long dramatic pause, and the orangutan answers, his destiny. Yeah. Uh, the stars are five winds from what seems more and more their destiny.
2: And seems.